Hello and welcome to Commodity Classic Cast. Our program is sponsored by BASF and New Holland. I'm at the Commodity Classic here in beautiful Tampa, Florida, and with me is Dean Kleckner, who is chairman of Truth About Trade and Technology. And Dean, um, of course, the big the big buzz here at Commodity Classic, without question, is biofuels, both ethanol and biodiesel. Uh, biodiesel doesn't seem to be getting the criticism um, as as much as ethanol is, and especially when it comes to food versus feed versus fuel. What are you hearing, and what is your opinion about uh, about this whole issue? Well, you're certainly right. Um, I'm hearing the same things you're hearing, because that is the topic here. And biodiesel seems to be virtually uh, not criticized. I mean, people know that we've got soybean oil, at least at this point, uh, less soybeans in the future, who knows, but but it, it's, it's the ethanol issue. And ethanol is not being criticized here. I mean, everybody's happy with $4 corn, give or take a little bit, and they know ethanol is the reason for that. But there is underlying it, you're right, the food versus feed versus fuel. Will there be enough corn? And my, my short answer is yes, if the darn government just stays out of it and doesn't try to, <laughs> to follow. I mean, they won't try to follow it up. They'll try to do what they think is right, but they will follow it up, believe me. I would just say to farmers and anybody that's concerned, let the market sort it out. The market will make the decisions if we let it. And there will, I think for the next couple of years, we're likely to have, or next few years, we're likely to have quite high corn prices. And I'm concerned. I... On my farm in Iowa, I, 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 I raise hogs, and I'm concerned about particularly poultry and, and the hog business, uh, uh, how much of that will be affected and lost, as well as exports. When I heard the congressman say the other day, it was quoted as saying, a very prominent congressman, well, Colin Peterson, new chairman of the House Ag Committee, Colin and I know each other real well. I was, Colin was quoted as saying that uh, he didn't think we needed exports anymore, and I just can't believe he said that, if he said it. I... I I don't think he said it, to be honest, but we're going to we're gonna need those exports. And I would just say to people, once you lose exports or you lose poultry or hog feeders, you probably don't get them back. I mean, at least with exports, it would be much harder to get back. Better to keep it than to get it back after you lose it. it, it, it that's, that's very hard. And I don't, frankly, know hardly any livestock people that have come back into the business after they've left it. For whatever reason, they left it. They just don't come back unless the son comes home from college. The dad, I want to raise hogs, something like that, and spend a million dollars. You know, build those buildings, and maybe they'll do it. Otherwise, once you leave, you don't come back because livestock is a lot of work. So I'm concerned. We will have enough corn three, four, five years from now for the market. Maybe we'll be at a new, a new paradigm, a new, a new high value for corn. It'll be, it'll be. Maybe the new new lows in the future will be two and a half, not a dollar seventy-five, and that would be that would be good. But right now, I, I, I'm not worrying about it because the market will determine. Now, what do you think about the role of distillers' grains, especially from the from the viewpoint of a hog farmer yourself? Well, I I know they're working on that right now. What I never use DDGs in in hog feed, uh, but they tell me, and what I'm reading, and I guess it's accurate that. We could probably use 10% distiller dried grains in hog feed and in poultry feed. Cattle can use more. Uh, but my feeling is, and I'm hearing rumors of that, that, that the hog industry and or land grant colleges are, are experimenting some on increasing the 10%. And I wouldn't be surprised, given the technology development and how fast it's coming, that we will have perhaps some DDGs that will be more 
uh, be more the hogs and chickens will be more receptive to their use than at the low 10% level. On the on the other hand, uh, DDGs uh, they're 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 working on actually using those in in the process. Maybe maybe for fuel. I I honestly have read about it, but I haven't checked into it. But again, I, I don't worry about DDGs. They they tell me that some of the feedlots out west are having trouble finding enough DDGs. They they're starting to put it in their ration. And even though the ethanol plants are booming up like mushrooms in the spring, right now there is not enough DDGs or at least enough available for them, and there's a cost to get it. If you're going to ship it to western Kansas or to the feedlots in California, you're talking about some additional cost to, to get it there. And they got to put that into their figuring, will we use it or not. My understanding with that is they, some of them, the plants forward contracted to send it out other places. So their local, their local livestock producers aren't getting it. Yeah. But anyway, of course, the big issue in the uh, the media that they took off with in the last couple of months was the price of tortillas. What what is your opinion of that regarding? I mean, the the food price. If we look yeah, at yeah. tortillas um, as a as a food use yeah. of corn. Well, my, my initial reaction was much ado about nothing. But if you're a Mexican who buys tortillas, and maybe many Mexicans are really poor people, and tortillas are even bigger to them than potatoes would be to us. I mean, it is the staple of their diet. Now, the other side of the coin is it's made from white corn. And we grow yellow corn in this country. And, and so I, I just said initially, what you know, what are they talking about? Well, there is a little white corn. In fact, I know a farmer in, in Iowa that, that grows white corn for the Mexican market, so they buy a little bit from us. But, but it's the price of corn, the price of yellow corn reflected over in the price of white corn in Mexico. And apparently there was some hoarding, so to speak, by suppliers down there. But, but again, I said, what's the big deal? That, farmers don't sell their grain when, when the grain price is going up. They leave it in the bin. Now, uh, under Mexican, apparently, under Mexican uh, thinking, that would be called hoarding, you know, as though, as though we're going to do something dumb like selling corn when we think it's going to be 25 cents a bushel higher next week. The Mexican tortilla suppliers are doing the same thing. That's simply economics 101 and the market at work. But if you're a Mexican and, and you're, you're hungry and Calderon is their new president, he's fairly free market oriented, and he put, up, he put a, uh, a ceiling or a cap on tortilla prices. Long term, that's, that is destructive, of course, but short term, maybe, maybe he got the demonstrators out of the streets and that's what he wanted to do. But it is much ado about not very much. And again, I just say to the Mexicans, the market will work this out. The higher price of corn means more people will grow white corn in Mexico. You may import more from the U.S. Tortillas will still go up in price as long as corn is higher. But, but it, ethanol got the blame. Once, once again, ethanol got the blame. The price of corn in the U.S. is higher because of the ethanol demand. Therefore, our tortillas are overpriced and we can't find them. You know, they, they, that's, a, that's a big jump, but that's a jump that they did make. Well, and also at the same time, what I thought about it is the Mexican farmers are very poor. And aren't they making more money because the price of corn is higher? Absolutely, they are. And, but, you know, the farmers, whether it be Mexico, the United States, or Canada, or Europe... The farmers are at the low end of the totem pole, and it's all about the consumers. And, oh, the, the, the congressman from the Midwest, you know, recognize the farmers are important. But in the, in the whole course of the country's discussion, whether it be U.S., Canada, or Mexico, or wherever, uh, the farmers producing the food 
are thought of last. I mean, I, I'm a farmer. I, I just recognize that's the way, it is, the way it's been, that's the way it is, that's the way it'll be five years from now. And we just need to tell our story. And, of course, that's one thing we do at the Commodity Congress. We, we tell our story. But we need to keep on doing it and say it over and over and over again, knowing that it's a never-ending it's a never-ending problem and never-ending story. Of course, you, you were president of the American Farm Bureau Federation for a long time. And, you know, talking about farmers and the job that we do and the price of corn. We're looking at, you know, people are complaining about the price of corn. And yet, how much, when corn is $1.75 a bushel, these farmers aren't making money. So we're actually making some money for a change and yeah, people are yeah, complaining yeah. about it. Great, great, great point and great comment. That's right. And, and I farmed... Uh, you know, all my life. My dad was a farmer. My two grandfathers were farmers, and and my brother's a farmer. And um, and you know, we need these really good years every once in a while, because there's way too many years that are break even. There's some years that are losses. If you lose consistently, you go broke, obviously. And us farmers don't don't lose money as often as we say we do. That's just what that's how we talk uh, to a degree. However. The really good years don't come along that often. And when they do come along, right now with $4 corn and $7 plus soybeans and 06 was an excellent hog year, believe me, and a good cattle year. Uh, dairy wasn't good, but it, it, I can't remember very often that wheat, corn, soybeans, hogs, and cattle have all been good the same year. And 06 was one of those years. Now hogs have come down. Actually, as corn price has gone up and soybean and soybean meal prices have gone up, Hog and cattle prices and poultry prices, I think, I don't follow that closely, have come down. But but the bloom is on the corn and soybeans and wheat right now. So all I'm saying is we need these super years. And what we do is we pay bills. We pay down our, our debt. We may buy some new machinery. We may buy some new furniture for the house. That's what we do, us farmers very seldom put it away and save it for another year. You know, it, it, it isn't those burning a hole in our pocket like our teenage sons and daughters, but <laughs> almost. We spend it. But again, we spend it for things that we need. And if we don't have these super years occasionally, we also pay a lot of taxes in years like this. And, and then we try to get, avoid that legally by, by spending a little money on things, you know, that will offset it. But that's, that's, that's just the market system at work, we, and we've all done it. But we need these really good years, and hopefully our neighbors and friends in town that are going to ha- have to pay higher prices for pork and beef and, and eggs and so on now and down the road maybe even more, hopefully they realize that, that it's going to their friends and their relatives out on the farm. Some of it, at least, is going to them, some to the middleman, because everybody makes a profit. Again, I repeat, we need a really good year occasionally just to stay in business. And that's just business. When you start making money, then you can help expand your business and get and and improve upon technology, which is the second half of your organization, trade and technology. How is the technology end of this fitting into producing more and uh, and helping to meet the food, fuel, and feed needs? It, it, it's, you're right. We're called Truth About Trade and Technology, and the technology refers basically to biotechnology in agriculture, and we're pro-biotech and pro-trade. That's what the trade refers to. Yeah, biotech is really moving rapidly. All technology is, but biotech in farming. Um, last year, 2006 crop year in the world, there was, over, there was about 260 million acres of biotech crops planted. Soybeans is a big one. 
almost all the soybeans in the world now is Roundup Ready or something like that. Uh, corn, soybeans, corn, cotton, and canola are the four big crops in the world. Wheat is just experimenting now. The vegetable crops in India, they're, they're experimenting on 15 ve- uh, food crops, vegetable crops in India. So that's beginning to come too. But we're winning that war. That's the bottom line. The anti-biotech folks, we're going we're gonna to have to keep hearing from them for, for some more years. I know that because they're getting money from from the issue. It's a money raiser. It's a sacred cow to them. It's a money raiser for them. But we're winning the war. Uh, the, the, the billionth crop acre ever planted to biotech crops, uh, commercial biotech crops, the billionth acre cumulative since, since, since it started was, at the end of 10 years, was in, in 05. Uh, that was a billion acres had been planted. 06, 260 million more acres. 07 coming up, probably 300 million more acres. We'll hit the two billionth acre in the world probably in in 09. And by then, by then, the the, the the war is basically over. There'll still be battles to be fought against these anti people. They're anti everything. They're anti biotech. They're anti bigness. They're anti whatever is good. They're just against it. Uh, that, that that's what makes them happy to be to be sad, you know, to be against things. And and but we're winning the war. And the technology, actually, let's get back to ethanol. The seed corn companies, and I, I guess I know more about Pioneer because they office a few miles from where I live, and I know their CEO quite well. But they're all doing the same thing. They're actually, they've developed technology now that makes more ethanol from a bushel. And and they triple, they triple stack, um, uh, they call it that three biotech uh, things in, in a single seed, you know, whether it be disease resistance, insect resistance more starch, uh, I mean, all of those things can be built in, and they are, they're doing it. Well, and that's where I was going to go with this, is, you know, we talked a little bit about what's going to happen this year when we're planting so much more corn for ethanol, and we have a drought. But we're having all kinds of, of uh, research into drought-resistant te- drought-resistant varieties and also, you know, increasing yields and and, you know, having the characteristics that we want for ethanol. Yeah, the the drought the drought uh, tolerance. They told me they they've told me don't say drought resistance because mm-hmm. there there is, there will never be a seed that is drought resistant. But it's more drought tolerant, and I I use the words interchangeably. But the drought tolerance, we'll have drought biotech drought tolerant corn probably in two years or three for sure. Now the actually the seed that most of us plant, many of, the, of those varieties are are more drought tolerant than they were five or ten years ago and they've done it by traditional breeding but once they get that biotech gene in there for drought tolerance then what we're going to see probably is a a, a fast expansion of the corn belt north and west into into more drought droughty areas Uh, and and we're going to be producing more corn which we're going to need for the ethanol production and, and exports and for feed so the companies are, are really working hard on this. Uh, we're going to pay more for it. Uh, there's, there's corn now that costs $200 a bag. If my dad, and that isn't a bushel anymore, that's 80,000 seeds, and that may be 48 or 49 or 50 pounds. If my dad, who's been dead now 50 years, well, I was very young when he passed away, if he could come back now, he just wouldn't believe. Well, he wouldn't believe many things, to be honest, <laughs> but paying $200 for a bag of seed. When, when he thought it was outrageous to pay $12.90 for a full bushel of hybrid corn. Mm-hmm. 
he thought that was just, just terrible. And now $200, and you don't even get a bushel anymore. You get less. Anyhow, but as my friends at Pioneer and the other companies tell me, well, if you don't like to pay this kind of money, you don't need to. We have seed this for sale much cheaper than that. However, I, I, their however is true. However, it's worth it because I'm going to get more, either bushels per acre or better quality. And But I have the option. I, I always tell myself, Kleckner, if you don't like this, you got a choice. I suppose if I want to, I could shell my corn and plant the seed like my grandpa used to do, but yeah, that's not a real a real option. But I don't need to pay $200 a bag. I could probably find it for 100 but am I better off to, for the... For the two and a half acres that I plant, probably, uh, am I better off to pay the extra hundred dollars? And often my answer is yes. I think I am, so that's why I do it. Well, speaking of uh, from the time of your father farming and now, what about the increase we've seen in yield? Well, yeah, I I don't know that we grew hundred bushel corn. I don't think we did back then. Uh, I, I I think I remember when I was a teenager, seventy five, eighty bushel corn being a good crop. And now 175 bushel corn is maybe average in my area. 200 to 225 is really good. And we're on our way to 300. And we're on our way to 400. And we're on our way to 500. Let me, uh, I got to tell you this real quick. I asked the CEO of Pioneer what, what the upper limit was that his people were telling him of corn production bushels per acre. This was maybe three months ago. And he started to smile. He said, I just asked my people that a few weeks ago, and they tell me that given t- present technology that we have and we know is coming, that, uh, that is here, we just haven't got it in yet, the upper limit is 500 to 1,000 bushels per acre. I said 1,000, and he said, that was my reaction, 1,000? They said, well, somewhere between 500 and 1,000 bushels per acre. Well, this was before this ethanol boom some months ago, and, and I just said, my gosh, what's going to happen to the price if we start growing in a few years, 500 bushel corn, I don't know what it'll be there in a few years on an average, but but the winning corn yield contest now are 350 to 375, and Francis Child is growing 400 in Iowa, so we know 500 is certainly possible, and and more. Uh, what the what the average will be, I don't know, but but my my point is, we're probably going to need it, and we'll be able to use it, and it won't kill the price in the process. At least it won't kill the price consistently maybe for a little while but not consistently but shouldn't that you know even that potential shouldn't that help ally the fears of livestock producers a little bit yeah yeah i, I tell myself that because i'm a, I'm a livestock producer yeah i you know we're going to have enough corn is the bottom line for food feed and fuel but we may run short here for a few years uh, and and i'll tell you what i think this is going to do it's going to take out some ma and pa 50 sow, 100 sow, 150 sow hog producers, the big ones of the world that have thousands of sows or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of sows like Smithfield, are they're in there to stay. Now, they won't consistently lose money. They will they will do something else. But they they won't get out next year because the price of corn is 350 or $4. But my neighbors, or maybe me, I'll get out for, for several reasons. First of all, I can't make any money at it. Secondly, uh, the flies, the smell. My wife would be happy if I would get, my neighbors would be even happier if I would get out of hogs. So I tell myself, I will suddenly be popular in my neighborhood again if I get out of hogs. 
And plus, hogs are a lot of work. If I can sell, I've got five ethanol plants within 45 miles of my farm. If I can sell them the corn, that's a lot less work than getting up in the night to check the sows that are farrowing. And that's all, plus I'm getting older. That's all in my own mind. So I will leave. I will exit the business, and I won't go back. And I'm not sure that's good for the hog industry in the long run. But it, but it's the market system at work, and I just say to myself, Kleckner, Dean Kleckner, you believe in the market system, and I do. It works. So I'll, I'll put up with it, and we'll, and we'll work around it. We will make it work if the government doesn't follow it up for us. All right, very good. Thank you very much, Dean Kleckner, Chairman of Truth About Trade and Technology. I'm Cindy Zimmerman reporting. That's Commodity Classic Cast, sponsored by BASF and New Holland 